You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. What is the greatest the joy? The joy of beauty! Louder! The joy of beauty! History is made at night. Character is what you are in the dark. We must work while the clock is ticking. We hide, they seek. Hail Lizardo! Real soon! <laughs> so dumb. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> In a good way. Welcome back. It's been a been a little while since we've been on our own podcast. By the time you listen to this, I think uh, our guest podcast spot might have started oh. on Asia Mania. More on that in a little bit. But welcome back to 80s Revisited. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Buckaroo Trey Zai. With me, as always, my own New Jersey or... New Orleans, Jesse Sedgley. <laughs> yes, I am. And we're talking about arguably one of the most cultiest films of the 80s, if not of all time, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension, part one of what was meant to be a multimedia extravaganza of a series, and still could be. Yeah. It remains to be seen. But let's start at the beginning, however. August 10th, 1984 was the release date. IMDb gives it a 6.4. Rotten Tomatoes, 72%. Uh, critics, 70% audience. So that's pretty, pretty high marks you got there. Uh, thankfully, Rotten Tomatoes is still in business and didn't get shut down because of uh, its aggregate Suicide Squad review. So mm. I was able to pull this information off and oh, that's good. get it out to everybody. I mean, because, yeah, that's going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> Budget was estimated at seventeen million. Opened six hundred and twenty thousand two hundred and seventy nine dollars. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you didn't have to put up a seventeen million dollar budget, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, d- domestically went on to grow six point two million. Have couldn't find any numbers on worldwide or rentals. Uh, so needless to say, like the current Ghostbusters reboot, there was not or will be a sequel. Although this one might be getting one. Uh, yeah. Anyway, directed by W.D. Richter, he wrote Big Trouble in Little China, the 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but only has one other directing credit for nothing spectacular. I didn't even write it down. Uh, written by Earl MacRouch. Uh, he only has four other credits. This is his high point. Uh, and starring the great veteran of the podcast as well, two-time veteran of the podcast, Peter Weller as Buckaroo Banzai, uh, of course, most people know him from RoboCop, but of course, when we went deep in Leviathan, there he was as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, most recently, uh, I forget his name, but he was in Star Trek Into Darkness uh, as uh, Kirk's captain, or admiral, something like that. Don't know. He was the blonde chick's dad. He was in the big, huge right here. Star Marcus. Trek. Marcus? Yeah. That's it. Marcus. But, uh, and also, Jeff Goble, another veteran of the podcast with the, from The Fly is New Jersey. Also, of course, uh, I always think, uh, when you think of Jeff Goblin, The Fly, in Jurassic Park, there's no escaping it, or Independence Day as well. 
pick your flavor of Gold Bloom. Uh, plenty to go around. And the great, magnificent, another veteran of the podcast as well, John Lithgow as Lizardo. Of course, recently we covered him uh, here on the podcast with Harry and the Hendersons, but also he proved that he can be an actual serious and scary as hell villain in Cliffhanger. And of course, Third Rock from the Sun. I mean, he's been in tons of stuff. And uh, what's, well, he was in uh, Interstellar, wasn't he? Wasn't he the dad? McConaughey's dad? Uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah, okay. was. I, was trying to, I knew I just saw him in something not too long ago as well. Yeah, so uh, he's still working. Oh, yeah, he's still Still a phenomenal actor, in my opinion. Uh, Ellen Barkin was Penny Pretty. Uh, she was also in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and Al Pacino's Sea of Love. And another veteran of the podcast, Christopher Lloyd, as the second best-named character in the movie, Big Booty. Or Big Bootay, I should say. Of course, Back to the Future 1, 2, 3, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and the best Hulk Hogan movie, in my opinion, Suburban Commando. Uh, Clancy Brown. God, all these veterans of the podcast. It's like you took a greatest hits of like our, some of our favorite actors from these films and threw them all in one film, just missing Kurt Russell. But you got the writer of Big Trouble in Little China, so there's a connection there. Uh, Clancy Brown was Rawhide. Of course, recently we covered him in Highlander. He was also in Pet Cemetery 2 and Shawshank Redemption. He was the, you know, the guard. I forget his name in it, but you know, if, you better be quiet enough to hear a mouse fart for Clancy Brown or he's going to beat the shit out of you. Mm. Uh, Lewis Smith was Perfect Tommy. He was recently in Django Unchained and also Wyatt Earp, so his career devolved into westerns pretty much. Uh, Pepe Serna was Reno Nevada. Uh, he was also in Scarface. He was the one that got cut up in the shower. Red Dawn, so he's technically a veteran of the podcast as well. And the Steve Martin classic, The Jerk. And rounding out the cast, we got cameos, or smaller roles, I should say, with Dan Hedaya, Jonathan Banks, Mike, uh, who, like, you know, I never noticed this guy ever until after. Breaking Bad. Oh, I love this guy. He's a great actor. And you watch all these old movies. Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, he's bit parts in tons of movies. And I like watching it's like, holy shit, he's in this too. He's in like everything. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Vincent Chiavelli. Uh, most people know him, uh, including our good friend from Down Under, uh, Ben Wyatt, as the subway ghost from Ghost. Hmm. Now he's a real Get ghost. Get off my train! Yeah. That's, that, he's actually haunting some subway now. <laughs> They were teaching, teaching other ghosts to flick uh, bottle caps and, or pennies. I can't remember what it was in the movie. <laughs> but yeah, uh, two-sentence synopsis. Red lectoids from Planet 10 threaten the Earth. Only Buckaroo Banzai, a physicist, neurosurgeon, test pilot, and rock musician, along with his band, can stop him. Hilarity to some ensues. <laughs> Strange meandering boredom to uh, other people. So it's yes, a, many other people. But this is a film... I. Growing up in the 80s, I knew nothing of this film. It wasn't until an article in, I think it was a, it was a magazine, it was a spinoff of Wizard Magazine in the early 90s called Inquest when I was first getting into playing Magic the Gathering. And they had an article in there, the top 10 most underrated movies of the 80s. Hmm. And this was on there, somewhere on there. And I was like, I've never heard of this. This sounds like the greatest movie I've never <laughs> seen. And this was still in VHS days. It wasn't even out on DVD yet. Finally hunted down a copy on VHS, watched it. Didn't hate it, didn't like it. Right. You know, uh, and that was, and pretty much, okay, I've seen it, I don't ever need to watch it again. Uh, so when I watched it recently for the podcast, that was only the second time I've ever watched it. And I liked it a lot better now. I still don't love it. Right. But I like it. It's one of those, I, it's a type of movie, I, I, if I had I seen it when I was a kid, it'd be like one of my favorite movies ever. Hmm. Not that you have to be young to enjoy, not saying that, it's just... You have to have a... Five-year-old mind. <laughs> not saying that. It's just like I think. Like I think there's a big nostalgia thing that would go that because I, I recognize that with some of the movies I like. Hmm. That like you know, had I not seen this as a kid, I don't think I would like it. It's Masters of the Universe. 
for example. If I didn't grow up playing with He-Man and loving that character, I would probably think that, you know, not like that movie anywhere near as much as I should. True. Street Fighter. Because play the games, read all, you know, watch all the Japanese animation things, love that series, and then, you know, the charismatic, charismatism of Van Damme and Raul Julia make me like that movie more than I should. Right. Because I have a nostalgia with, to the subject matter, so to speak. And I mean, I love sci-fi. I love practically everybody in this movie. It's just, I don't know, like, like Evil Dead 2, like, I'm laughing the whole time. Can't stop laughing. Army Darkness, same thing. Although Army Darkness is technically actually a comedy. Uh, with Buckaroo Banzai, like, I have a smile on my face, but I'm not like, I don't have that, I guess a better way to put it was I'm just not that familiar with it. Mm. In terms of like, I, I know why people love this movie. I like it too. It's just not in my top 10 cult movies of all time list. Yeah. So to speak. But uh, what I love, absolutely love about this movie is the storytelling. It's, there's no, as we'll get into when we talk on our Back to the Future segment, a very recent movie that has critics and audiences split, apparently, or critics and fanboys split, uh, to where they over explain things. Whereas this one's just like, you're bam, you're in the middle of something, catch up. <laughs> and I, I like that in movies. Yeah. Uh, because that, to me, that's, that's why that means there's a bigger universe that you're not seeing other than this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things that can happen. Star Wars, the original trilogy, like you felt like they're in a galaxy and they're meeting aliens, it's endless. You watch the prequel trilogy and it's also about fucking Skywalkers. Is this one family in the entire galaxy shaping yeah. everything? It makes the universe smaller. Yeah. Whereas this film, like, you know, stuff happens and you're just like, okay, you, you just have to take it and go because, <laughs> yeah, because th- that's this universe. I mean, there's things you don't know. Like, I love. Too much, too little exposition can be a bad thing, but sometimes it works. Mm-hmm. I think it works for this film because it's just like it's a. This is a crazy zany movie, but it's like it's serious about it. Like every actor is like Jeff Goldblum's wearing his cowboy outfit, but he's still like he's actually less Jeff Goldblumy in this movie, I think, than yeah. you know nowadays when he appears on commercials. He was in it less than other movies too. That is true. Yeah, uh, you know, but. I, I I really respect this movie. I just don't have that connection to it, you know, to tie it to nostalgia per se, which is a strong bond because that that affects your opinion on stuff, regardless. Uh, but you've seen this movie, yes, probably more than I have, right? Based no, on, not more. No, really, I just saw it the, for the first time. Oh, few, really? A few days ago. You speak as though you were an expert on it. Like we were talking earlier. Like I was, just, I was actually thinking, like God, Jesse, like seems like he's seen this movie a lot, or like no. you know, you're like, oh, this is a great speech, you know. Well, the speech at the beginning, yeah, that's yeah. hilarious because of the way he ends it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when are we going? Real soon. <laughs> it's just a funny way to respond. And they all respond together because they don't know when they're, you know. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't a fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you, do you see I, when why you, people like it? Or? After I heard what you said, yeah, just now. Like, <laughs> like right this second. <laughs> just right this second. <laughs> I convinced I can, you. I can appreciate it. For, yeah. Um, and I would be interested in seeing, you know, more of mm-hmm. this universe. Definitely. Um, it just felt like, yeah, they needed to uh, have another film in the in the ready to go. You yeah. know, because there's still so much more to say. I felt like this was a part two. Yeah. You know? um, now, what you were saying about introducing a character. I don't know, there just needs to be something where I can connect to them. Because, I mean, it did feel like we jumped right into it, and that's fine. It's just, there's a way to go about it, and I don't think this was the way that I'm yeah. all for Yeah, you need it. to have like that person that you can focus on. 
in or that you can idea like you you're that person. Now like, they did have that big block of text at the beginning. I kind of didn't really pay too much <laughs> attention to. <laughs> so maybe that would have covered a lot. <laughs> but you know, I got other things going on. <laughs> yeah. I'm not focusing on it. Yeah. Um but I was like, man, I should, probably should have read that big block of text. <laughs> well, they speak it, don't they? Like Buckaroo no. Buns up. Well, my version. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think they did. Which I watched uh, a Blu-ray version, like a high-definition version. It looks fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm watching like, I remember this. I, from the other time I've seen this movie, I was like, I don't remember the movie looking this good. I remember just my memory of it was the masks were blatantly like Halloween, which they're not much better. Right, right. Like right. In other, but I mean, it's like, they look better than, everything looked so much better than mm. I remembered. Yeah, I did so not like, watch the Blu-ray version. Uh but yeah, in my version, I want to say like uh, the, the like a narrator spoke it. Yeah, I don't think like, Buckaroo Banzai, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, I looked over. I could I totally like, be making that up because it's been like three weeks since I watched it. We're recording it. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's the way you read it in your head. <laughs> maybe I read it. You know, Morgan Freeman today, hey, Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but it felt like uh, you know the American Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, honestly, that's a like yeah. this. Yeah, I, I'm willing to bet that. The current doctor, like not or like the revival of Doctor Who, I think oh, yeah. I can see influence of this. I mean, just look at this it. poster; it looks like some sort of Doctor. Who. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, I was like, "Oh, there's Matt Smith <laughs> walking with his pals." <laughs> with his bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> and again, not saying that this Doctor Who was influenced by this, but the modern reboot of Doctor Who, I can see, I can see shades of the, like influence of this. It's either that or a badass Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Yeah, one or the other. It's definitely a badass movie, Herman, for when it took place. But then, like, Matt's a little bit. I, I couldn't even yeah. stomach him as Doctor Who would stop watching the series. And then Netflix <laughs> took it off, so I didn't get to even go back to it. It's like, mm, Bowtie's a cool. I don't like you. Bring back David Tennant. You suck. But like I said, I didn't watch all this stuff, so I have an uncomplete opinion about it. But yeah, this, to some people, this film influenced them to actually become filmmakers, which I didn't know. But after we had talked about, I think, the end of last episode, where you mentioned that Kevin Smith was looking at a. Uh, Redoing it or uh, mm-hmm. bring it, making a TV show, I went and looked it up and found that uh, interview he uh, where they were talking about it. And he interviewed Lithgow and Peter Weller, which was it's a it's a YouTube video, but it's also on one of the one of his podcasting. Uh, Smoviola is that, the name of the podcast. Okay, yeah, and it's like it's if you like this film and you haven't heard that, you need to listen to it because the stories Peter Weller and John Lithgow are telling, uh, hilarious. All like yeah. the like what drew them to the role and like and it's, I just. Of course, and, I, and Peter Weller's like a genius, like not a genius, but he's an exceptionally smart guy. He's a PhD in Roman like coins, and like yeah. they're talking about this interview. Like, yeah, he's, he lives in Italy because he's yeah. like about to be- get his like doctorate in this, and like he's almost like Indiana Jones now. So, in addition to <laughs> all this other stuff, Buckaroo Banzai does add like you know archaeologist and RoboCop to his repertoire. But uh, really interesting, and what you know, this is a film that, like, for example, Kevin Bacon can't stand it when people mention, like, want to talk to him about, oh, you were in Friday the 13th. No, no, I don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. He, like, distances, him, distances himself from it, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah. Because that's... Because you did it. <laughs> first of all, yeah, like, well, that especially, but, I mean, that's one that he'll be, that's one of his, you ask people to name a Kevin Bacon movie, Tremors, Friday the 13th, that's the ones that come to my mind immediately. Tremors always be first, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so when he was, he was a part of horror movie, he's like horror movie royalty. To you know, like Johnny Depp was in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and he owns it. Like he, like mm-hmm. he, like yes, I was in that. Uh, he got mad when Wes Craven didn't 
didn't get mad, but when they were doing, I think, Final Friday, and they had a lot of the cast, oh, no, I'm sorry, it was New Nightmare, where they had the like, actors playing who played previous Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street movies appear at a funeral. Uh, Wes Craven said he didn't ask Johnny Depp because uh, he figured he would be too busy and say no, but Johnny Depp found about, heard him say that later, and said, like, oh, no, I totally would have done it. Like, you know, he's proud to have been in that. This is a film that you would think, because I mean, we, you heard the numbers at the beginning, barely, you know, it made less than less than half, almost only a f- uh, third of its budget back. Mm-hmm. So box office poison, like failure. Right. But when, when you know, if I'm reading this cast, I, you know, like just the, the talent you have in this film is immense. And you also have a unified vision with the director and everybody, the cast was working, like it's, it, it, everything meshes well. The, the talent, the acting, uh, the, is the, like the, the lines are cheesy, but I mean, they're delivered so well to where they're, you know, it, it adds to the, for lack of a better word, the mystique of the film. It's, you know, it's shot well. I mean, done on the cheap with the budget, but the effects still look pretty good for, you know, the time. Uh, and the, the and they fit the tone of what this is. It's not like, you know, Last Starfighter has some grisly effects in some parts. Whereas, uh, but, you know, it has that, it went for the more realistic kind of look. Whereas this one is like Plan 9 from Outer Space, but in the 80s. And it, it only, it like... A unified vision, something the DC movie universe can't seem to get a hold of. <laughs> uh, but this movie has it the whole time. And I forgot what I started talking about and branched off into something different. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we just watched that interview with that podcast. Uh, yeah. It's, it's really good. But anyway, like Kevin, this is the movie that made Kevin Smith want to make movies. Like this film inspired him. Uh, which is all like I think that's a you know that's awesome and he 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 holds that up oh I remember I was gonna but Peter Weller and John Lithgow look back on the films like we had so much fun it was it was you know it was a mm-hmm. great role we had a great time doing it you know I wouldn't have done anything different and and and, and this is a film like you know people know Friday the Thirteenth because of pop culture nobody unless you've you know are in certain circles you have no clue what the fuck this movie is all right. Oh, is that some sort of kids' cartoon or something? Fuck no, man. No, Peter Weller knows what it is. <laughs> yeah, according to the interview, he's still waiting for somebody <laughs> to explain it to him, which is hilarious. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I, mean, I don't think this is a bad film whatsoever. I just don't. I just couldn't. I appreciate it for what it is. I was. I understand. I completely understand how people say they love it. Like you know, same thing. Like you know, what I've discovered with. My friends I've met across the world because of this podcast. Not everybody loves Big Trouble in Little China like I do. <laughs> That's fine. I understand. I, I, I see why you could not or you just don't get it. This is one for me. I'm on, I'm on excuse me, I'm on you know, the fence of. I'm on the side of good, just not great. Uh, but I appreciate it for what it is. It's definitely a product of its time. Like a film like this probably would never get made these days. Mm. With, to where without studio interference, adding all this exposition to explain everything, adding some sort of flashback scene when he's a kid doing something or all this other crap. Uh, I personally, I, I like things that leave things, you don't have to explain everything. Right. And argue, I mean, this film obviously doesn't explain hardly anything at all, but I like that aspect about it. It's because, it's because it isn't a serious movie, that doesn't hurt it to me. Whereas I, like, when my wife's watching Batman versus Superman, like, what, what? Wait, okay, wh- what's that? Completely confused. Like, I guess if a movie's going to do that, I want there to be more. You know, mm-hmm. it can't just stop at one episode. Um, you know, because there's so many more places to go. Yeah, 
Which, I mean, that you know, of course, they teased at the end of this film, uh, Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League. Right. Which hopefully that'll be the television show. And I mean, all these actors are still with us except, uh, you know, Vincent Chiavelli. But you don't need him anyway. Because right. I think his character died, I believe, anyway, in the film. So, he's you know, you're good to go. But, you know, Weller's, you know, bring, like, I don't think you should recast it. I mean, with all, with all this principal cast still alive... Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're going to have a new cast. I mean, I'm sure they will, but I, like it'd be awesome. Or even if if the show is a go, they need to have a flat like a future episode, like an episode that takes place like or like the last episode of the show is the original cast. You know, and I think after Lithgow all their adventures, come or, back. or Lithgow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> he says that in the <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he could come back. Um, everyone else. They might be overpriced or... Goldblum probably would be the hardest one to get, I'd imagine, just because he's still... I mean, he was in a summer block... Well, I don't know if it was a blockbuster, but, you know. Yeah, and he'd probably cost a bunch. But, I mean, Lithgow, he's... He just seemed more willing, you know? Yeah. He just seemed like he really enjoyed it and, like... I mean, maybe that's just his personality in that particular interview Yeah. Um, that I'm referencing, but I think Willard, you know, he's doing other stuff. He's... <laughs> I mean, he showed up to that you know film festival to talk about it. So that's true. That's true. And he still has movies coming out. Not a lot, but I mean, he's done series and stuff. Yeah, he's he's getting up there though in age. Yeah, I, I mean, just Lithgow too. You know, I mean, they're not, none of these are young men anymore. Lithgow. But I mean, and I I've always said Lithgow. Me too. <laughs> but um, because of his character being you know, yeah, one of the bad guys, I think Lithgow could come back, and it, it fit. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited. You know, hopefully it gets into production and actually materializes. I'm personally definitely interested. Like I said, I mean, you know, I'm not. I don't go. The funny thing is, I actually there's a quote from this movie I that I actually like have said, and I honestly until I watched it again, I was like, that's where I fucking got this from. But like, wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, you know, like I'm not I'm like, I can't believe like of everything in this film. Like I, I that part that line became part of my vernacular every now and then not even realizing I picked it up from here. So that's my favorite quote from the film. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, it's still, a, it's fun, uh, you know, but you gotta, you gotta go into it knowing, I, I think if you want people, you're trying to get people to watch this film because you love it, you really need to prepare them for what they're about to see. <laughs> Otherwise it might, you know, they just need a little bit of like, okay, this is, it's kind of silly, it's gonna throw you in the middle, just, just watch and enjoy. Don't like, don't ask me questions about what's going on. Just watch the damn movie, and we'll talk after it. You know, but, but see that—that's what—that's a good film to me in a sense. Is like to where even if there's something you don't understand, talking. You know, one of my favorite things to do is a whole bunch of us go see a movie, or we all see a movie, and we all then meet up at an event, and we're all talking about that movie. That's the best part. Is talking about a movie because there's stuff to talk about. Well, as in what happened after? What was it? Open ended. You know, Stranger Things is the most recent example. All my friends have pretty much watched it, so I was like, "Yeah, it was awesome." What do you think? Well, I think this, blah 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 blah. You know, that's that's what I love about any sort of media where we can talk about it afterwards and have a good discussion. You know, where it's not just this happened because this happened. You know, A B C D E. I like A B D F. Mm. You know, I can leave, I can I like that. That again, that's just me. Some people, my wife, you need to have it spelled out. She doesn't like you know. She watches movies just to watch them. Uh, that's not a, bad, a lot of people like that. I'm not saying that's a bad way to watch a movie, but you know, and some people question too many things in a movie to where they overthink it and make it bad for themselves. So, 
But whatever side of the fence you follow in this movie, it's definitely it's definitely worth watching. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, some of the trivia, uh, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, the overall concept, concept, conducted in form, it's a hell of a concept. Uh, <laughs> the overall concept uh, of the film, and several names seem to be taken from uh, the character Doc Savage from uh, old pulp magazines of the 30s and 40s. Uh, for example, both the main characters are talented surgeons, adventurers, and musicians. They both have an inner circle of sidekicks with nicknames. And, okay, that's where the similarities in. <laughs> right. I thought it was on that. But anyway, so there you, if you like Doc Savage, you might know some, uh, you might see that more often. Uh, when it came time to film the end title sequence, uh, the big walk where Buckaroo and his gang are walking, uh, and the L.A. Aqueduct uh, in step to the music, the music wasn't ready. So the composer told the film crew to use the song Uptown Girl by Billy Joel as a placeholder <laughs> because it was the exact same tempo as the, the uh, theme he was working on. So when they're filming it, they're walking to Uptown Girl to a boombox tied from the back of the camera truck. Whereas in the uh, final version, you know, you have that kind of synthy. Wow, that picks up really well when I'm tapping the table. Synthy kind of synth theme blaring. Anyway, the synth thing fits better. Uptown Girl would be really odd at the end of this film. So they made a good choice. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in the film. However, it's a deleted scene. She played Buckaroo's mom in a flashback. Uh, it was cut, but it is available in recent D- uh, DVD and Blu-ray uh, YouTube. versions. Or, of course, always YouTube. Thank goodness. She's also visible in a photo on the dashboard of the jet car in the widescreen version. Uh, on At the Movies in 1984, just before the film's release, Gene Siskel correctly guessed that the movie would attain cult status. So good job, Gene. Rest in peace. Uh, by the way, it is an urban legend that he was buried with his thumb facing up. That's not true. Just FYI. If anybody's like, oh yeah, Gene Siskel was buried with his thumb up. Nope. False. <laughs> uh, Snopes.com. I guess. I don't his know. His thumb is actually down. Yeah. Because this sucks. <laughs> Death <laughs> sucks. Uh, the end of the movie invites the viewer to watch for the upcoming film Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League. It was a real title for a sequel. Uh, that they actually plan to make if this film was successful, which we all know that story. It was a box office bomb. The studio went bankrupt. However, after its release on video and cable, the fi- and the film became a cult film, much in the same way Mad Max did, uh, which, you know, of course, Mad Max went on to spawn two sequels and then, you know, a third one with Fury Road and was one of the best films of last year. Uh, but legal wrangling due to the bankruptcy prevented any other studios from picking up the sequel rights to Buckaroo Banzai. And even years later, MGM had to fight through a pile of red tape simply to get the okay to re-release it onto DVD. Mm. But apparently now a lot of that's been fixed up since they're actually in talks to do a TV show. So uh, This is actually a story, a uh, little piece of trivia from that interview we talked about. But John Lithgow's dialect, dialect coach was Roberto Terminelli. It was actually his tailor on the Fox lot with a heavy Italian accent <laughs> that John had him speak his lines for him onto a tape recorder, which he then used to practice the accent. And actually, got him, John Lithgow, Lithgow got him a credit in the film as his dialect coach. Yep. So, pretty damn interesting. But he was just sitting there you know, going for his fitting and like, hey, you're Italian, right? See, si, see, si, uh, how do you <laughs> say this? And then, you know, so really awesome, really funny. And the way Lithgow, tell, Lithgow tells it, it's just like he's a he's he's like a, one of those natural storytellers too. Yeah, like yeah, there's some definitely. great stories he tells in that interview. It's it's it was a it was a joy to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that so I can't recommend it enough for a supplemental material with this podcast. Done like forty something minutes too. Yeah, and it's good though. I mean, like yeah. it's entertaining. It's like oh, I want more. And when it's over, I'm like oh, I wish there was more. The only thing I really wish was that Christopher Lloyd was there too because they tell Peter uh, Weller uh-huh. tells a story about Christopher Lloyd. It's so funny. It's like oh, I wish I could hear Christopher Lloyd tell it. <laughs> but it's so great. But anyway, uh, in the original script, Buckaroo was supposed to have an arch enemy named Hanoi Shan, 
who was never seen but referenced to by Buckaroo and other characters. All scenes containing dialogue regarding Chan were deleted from the film's theatrical release, but are now available on DVD. Uh, he was supposed to be the mysterious head of the crime syndicate called the World Crime League, which would have been the sequel. He also happened mm. to be the man who murdered Buckaroo's parents and his wife, Peggy. 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 Oh, wait, no, no, it's Penny. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a second. So eventually, between the, the two movies, Peggy? he would marry Penny, Penny Purdy, and then he'd be killed. But no, according to this, it was he has a white, had a wife named Peggy. The Oscillation Overthruster device reappeared as a spectral analyzer in Star Trek The Next Generation episode Pin Pals. So, if, you know, it's one of those things like the, uh, what you call it, the uh, EMP, not EMP, or was it the EMP thing in Ghostbusters? Little hand thing Egon had. I forgot the name of it. Damn it. Well, but you see that prop in other movies, like Starship Troopers 2 or 3, it appears again. Uh, I forget the damn name of that thing. But you're looking it up and we'll reference it. What was it? PKE meter. I knew yes. it was some like form of letters. Uh, there it we definitely go. wasn't EMP. <laughs> Just sound all the way. Up, shit! Our proton packs are down. <laughs> We're screwed. Uh, well, those but, are uh, nuclear. So and that's that's true. Throwing a nuclear device on his back. Yeah. Still want to when they that. <laughs> God, that original so good. Like, why that? Uh, yeah. We talked about that already. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin, this is the film that inspired Kevin Smith to make movies, and he's currently working on reviving Buckaroo Banzai as a TV show, likely on Amazon, which I would be excited for. Be happy to see. Would love to see it happen. Uh, especially, especially if he does it, because you know, if this something that you obviously love that much, you're gonna have some reverence for. It. You're not gonna shit on it, hopefully. But of course, because I have no nostalgia for this, it wouldn't matter if it did. I just would want it to have that same kind of spirit uh, that this one had, which would be really cool. Mm. So that'll be interesting. Uh, score wise, uh, you know, I'd give it a seven. It's a good solid score. Uh, I I'm, I can honestly say that had I seen this as a kid and like grew up with it more, had was able to find it as a kid, I probably would have seen it. Uh, but this wasn't like a TBS regular or, or TNT or USA thing. Never saw it. Never even heard of it. Like I said, till much later, uh, not much later, a couple years out of the decade we love to talk about on this podcast. So I could definitely uh, see that had I seen it as a kid and had that that uh, connection to it probably would have been a bit higher. But you know, watching it today, it's enjoyable. I would recommend watching it. But, you know, as a whole, it's a seven to me. Uh, Jesse, you watched it. What would you give it? Uh, probably a six or, yeah, six. Ah, I was leaning bad. towards five and a half, maybe. <laughs> middle, straight middle of the road. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. I mean, I, I, I But guess. there was too much to appreciate. Like, it was even shot really well. Yeah. Like, that held up. Um, it yeah. was the best done B-movie I've ever seen, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, Makes sense, you know, because I'm sure they weren't trying to make a B movie. <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, I, I, they had like, I mean, based on some of the stories they were telling and the idea the director had for everything and the sequels. I mean, I think it wanted to capture more like the sort of like uh, Lucas's inspiration for Star Wars was Flash Gordon, but obviously that's told a lot different and more serious than Flash Gordon. Whereas I think this one they wanted like something because they were, you know, the, like we talked about this a uh, couple weeks ago on one episode, like you know, the stuff that. You know you're, that influenced you when you grow up was influenced by other people who made the stuff you made. Yep. And I think this is a this is like '80s filmmaking straight up, but with reverence to like '60s and '70s stuff that you would normally see on Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, in my opinion. Just like I was saying with yeah. our conversation before we started was about board games and yeah. people borrowing from earlier board games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's just the way it's going to be. Exactly. Anything creative, you're borrowing from the thing before you. Yep. Hundred percent true. Uh, in the real world, again, this released August tenth, nineteen eighty four. 
10 days, uh, excuse me, six days later, John DeLorean, who was he? Well, he made the DeLorean. He's acquitted of all eight charges of possessing and distributing cocaine, despite video and audio evidence clearly showing him negotiating, negotiating over the peculiars of the deal and referring to a suitcase full of cocaine as good as gold. His lawyers successfully argued that the FBI and DEA had unfairly targeted and illegally entrapped DeLorean when they allowed... Hoffman, who was an active FBI informant who only knew DeLorean casually to randomly elicit him into a criminal conspiracy simply because he was known to be financially vulnerable. So basically, mm-hmm. entrapment. He got out of this, that whole thing because of an entrapment thing. Not the film with Catherine Sean Zeta Connery Jones. and Catherine Zeta-Jones' ass, which was on every trailer uh, and naturally inspired me to want to see the movie because <laughs> she was my movie girlfriend for the longest time uh, after Zorro. Still mm. pretty. Yeah. Uh, for her age, up. but you know, I got greener pastures or blonder pastures to younger pastures. aim for. <laughs> Not necessarily. She's still hot. She's still hot. But I mean, you know, someone said, "Okay, who's what? What actress do you want now?" Uh, yeah, Margot Robbie. Speaking of, Back to the Future. Let's talk about Suicide Squad. Got had the displeasure of seeing that uh, <laughs> on a Thursday, whenever it came out last week, whatever it was. Uh, Jesse, did you see this? Nope. Uh, don't. I'm not. <laughs> uh, let me phrase when you can see it without going to the theater and paying you know 13, 14 bucks yeah, yeah. watch it there uh, yeah that movie sucks uh, <laughs> that's a shame it's I had a feeling it would though I, I mean I honestly did I went into it not ex- I, like like I've said before like the first Ninja Turtles thought it was gonna suck went into it or the, re- the reboot you know the team in, or the Michael Bay produced one you know not expecting anything but it wasn't bad because I went in with low expectations you know that, that does change how your opinion of a movie. Suicide Squad, you know, the tra- let me say this, the trailers were fantastic for this film in like generating hype and I thought yeah. it, I thought the trailers were exceptionally well done. Uh, but after seeing the movie, they show 90% of the movie in the trailer. You've seen the trailer, I can tell you what happens in the end and you're good as gold with the movie. Uh, but, so I went in with low expectations mainly because of the overratedness of Jared Leto, period. Bottom line, uh, Insane Clown Posse is, he's more Insane Clown Posse than he is Joker in this film. He's only in it for like five, he's in, like Batman's in it for like maybe 30 seconds. Leto's in it for maybe a minute and a half. Wow, really? Uh, like, and, 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 you know, let's talk about DC's extended universe or cinematic universe. Love Man of Steel. Batman versus Superman. Didn't hate it, but I don't think it's the second coming of Batman or anything. Or, you know, it's not like the greatest, you know, it does, still doesn't compete with anything from Marvel, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I still liked it. Uh, this is the third film in DC's cinematic universe, and <clears throat> uh, Wonder Woman. I the trailer looks phenomenal. I truly hope that Wonder Woman's a good is a good movie. A because it looks good. B because to me it's the last chance DC has to have anything decent. Building up to Justice League, uh, they just can't. They you watch you watch the Marvel movies. I see they all have that cohesion. That, like I see that this is taking place in space while this is happening on Earth, or you know he's in Asgard while this is happening. It's all tied in to where it, it feels the same, 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 but different, but same. Uh, whereas these DC movies, just especially Batman v Superman and this one, these movies got killed in the editing, just destroyed in my opinion. Uh, this Suicide Squad more so than this is the worst edited movie probably I've ever seen. Let me rephrase that. This is the highest budget movie that I've seen with the worst editing. Mm. Like just it. Oh God, it's so bad. 
<laughs> this movie, like, go back, Jesse, because I was, I was interested in seeing that. The, uh, like, uh, it's rated, it's currently rated a 6.9 IMDb, which is way too generous for this fucking movie. Yeah. Oh, highest percentage of ratings. Females under 18, 8.2. Why do you suppose that is? The, uh, I guess because uh, high school aged people these days oh, yeah. that shop at Hot Topic are inundated with Joker and Harley stuff. And the girls like Jared Leto because he looks so cool. And I saw there was this thing, it was a poster or something where it had jo- the Suicide Squad, Joker, and Harley. And on the, it was a shirt or a poster and it said hashtag relationship goals. Uh, no. Okay, that, that leads to a rabbit hole and a huge tangent because in this, okay, we, as you'll hear on one of our episode, guest episodes on Asia Mania, we talk about you know, or, uh, ben, the Tasmanian devil, Wyatt, asked us some uh, questions and like, you know, like, who would you want to be with on a desert island? I said Margaret Robbie because she's like, the, I'm in fact, like, you know, everybody has their Hollywood yeah. crush at the time. And like, you know, I mean, this goes going back to Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. And I mean, she, she looks the part. They, she was cast because she looks. She's not a bad actress, in my opinion. She's done some good stuff. Uh, but the character of Harley Quinn, the reason that, you know, she originated in the animated series. And she was basically, they, they say, the one thing this movie says that's correct is that be careful because she's crazier than the Joker. That is true because, first of all, she was an insanely brilliant psychologist who gets, basically gets Stockholm Syndrome into loving the Joker in an incredibly abusive relationship. The best thing about her character in the animated series, where it was always awesome when her, the Joker and Harley showed up, mm-hmm. was the Joker throws her under the bus every time. He doesn't care. Right. He tries to get rid of her. He doesn't like her. He's like, he's crazier than I am. You know, like he like get away, you crazy bitch! Like, like I don't like you. Right. But she keeps coming back. That's the dynamic of the character. She's insanely brilliant, like in psychoanalyzing things, but she's also literally batshit crazy at the same time. Yeah. It's a great character dynamic. That the character in this film is nothing like that. Mm. She's like, okay, you know, I I can only stand. Hey, Mister J. So long to where it's like, okay, this is annoying, and she wears out her welcome in this film. Like the character. Wears out her welcome before the film's halfway over. Like, wow. And, and again, like, she's not supposed to be this badass fighter flipping around, popping headshots, and beating these uh, possessed people with baseball bats. Yeah. To where armed soldiers are getting taken out from a mile away, and she's holding her on with a fucking baseball bat. <laughs> That's not, like, the film misses, like, the char- they, they're trying to do us. Okay, I understand. They're trying to do a cinematic version of these characters, like, that fits in this universe. Doesn't work. Just doesn't work. And let me, oh god, the end of this film is so bad. It's so dumb. There's more slow motion than a Zack Snyder Watchmen movie in this film. <laughs> and uh, the exposition is so bad. Like every time they try, it, this was made going back to like eight, the eighteen year old market. Who the eighteen year old male thing was also like uh, gave it a seven point five or something. It was highly rated there too. Like young eighteen year like teenagers in high school are gonna love this movie. They're the ones that. When you go see it, and they had like Chris Nolan's Dunkirk trailer in front of it. Great trailer, by the way. Mm. Uh, but the, the the peanut gallery of young kids starts cracking up laughing during that trailer. And like, okay, and like that that told me, okay, those kids. I knew going in that okay, these kids are gonna think this movie's fantastic and wanna you know dress as the, this Joker for Halloween, kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, mm. uh, I mean, like the movie's bad. Like it's this is on par with like. X-Men Origin Wolverines, like, Wolverine, I should say. Uh, there are some good things. Like, the character that ended up being the most, like, 
the best character in the movie to me was El Diablo, the fire guy. Who like when you watch the trailer, like okay, he, you know whatever, what? Yeah, fire. No, he had he had an arc in this film. None of the other characters really do. Uh, Will Smith does because he's Will Smith, and you got to have your, you know, your main guy, you know, your biggest pull, like have some sort of arc. But there's so like, and then like the like honestly like I hate fanboys like you know I have an Xbox and a PS3 or PS4. You know, I have, I have all the consoles. Right, I don't right. give a shit. If there's something I want to play, I want to play it. If a movie's bad, I think it's bad. I don't like, oh, well, you just hate this movie because it's not Marvel. You know, I keep seeing all this stuff, like the arguments for this film. Like, it's no, it's not good. How old are you? You like the film? How old are you? Well, I'm, I'm 18. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was made for your limited-ass attention span in the age of iPhones and instant <laughs> gratification. This is a bad movie. And unfortunately, it's making a shit ton of money because that means we're going to see more of this shit. Uh, but here, not from me. <laughs> me either. Since I get in free, like, <laughs> I, had I paid to see this, I would have been like, Jesus Christ, baby. We just went on a date night and spent forty bucks to see this piece of shit. Yeah. Like, I'm, and believe me, like, I'm, if you like it, I, I understand. Like, this is a movie. I understand why people can like. I see why certain people will like it. But this movie is badly edited. The acting's uneven. The plot is ripped off directly from Escape from New York. Uh, the this is a movie about villains. Villains that are forced to do something good. Not a single damn person in this film kills any. Like, they're none, none of them are villains. None of them have done anything like overly villainous to be like these are the worst of the worst. I want to get a team of the worst villains ever to put on this team. No, dead, the only per- human being that Deadshot kills is a mob informant. So he's not out there killing kids. You know, he's not doing anything to make him a bad guy. He's just oh, he's an assassin. Harley Quinn. Doesn't kill anybody. Just oh, she's crazier than the Joker, and that's supposed yeah. to be enough to make you oh, she must be bad. Uh, the only again, El Diablo, yeah, he had a, he has an arc because he like has these powers he can't control, and he ends up killing some other gangbangers, and he has a tragic story where his powers flare up and he kills his wife and kids. That's why he doesn't want to use it anymore. This dude has an arc, and it fits in this film. The other characters needed shit like that. You're supposed to be villains. They didn't. These are the these are like barely passable villains. These are antiheroes. Which, by the way, to further prove the goddamn motherfucking presumptuousness and hey, my hatred of Jared Leto said that, yeah, this Joker's really more of an antihero. If you think the Joker mm-hmm. is an antihero, get the fuck out. Read a goddamn comic. What a pretentious ass motherfucker. <laughs> I, I hate Jared Leto. Like, and he's from my home state. You know, like, yeah. he, and like, you know, all this method acting stuff he was talking about for this role, like, it doesn't come through in the performance. It fucking sucks. He does... For, to be fair, he's only he's only like a minute and a half. But let me tell you this: the minute and a half you see him is like, he, okay, this does not need to happen. Why is he in here? This is dumb. This is dumb. This is stupid. No purpose. This character is pathetic. Yeah, terrible version of the Joker. But of course, all the little younger kids are like, oh, he's so hot. You because know, oh, Harley's hot too. I could be like the Joker because he's cool. Blah blah blah. No, this is terrible. And then now he's coming out saying, yeah, most of my good stuff was left on the cutting room floor. You know, hopefully we'll, I'll die and we'll see an R-rated version with all my stuff put back in. But, like, whatever, bro. What? Yeah, that, that <laughs> stuff that he's saying now, like, no, dude, like, oh, God, like, he, I just, I, I truly, like, I don't truly, like, hate anybody and don't wish ill will to people, but, you know, like, David Bowie's dead and Jared Leto's alive, you know? I, I would trade him for any, like, a lot of other people that passed away tragically this year. <laughs> Let me put it to you that way. I just don't like I don't like the guy but you know again you you know and you, you, people thought Heath Ledger was going to be bad you know but as you're seeing stuff nothing seemed like 
bad until, and then you see the movie, like, okay, he nailed it. He had a concept for this. He batshit crazy. Yeah. Unpredictable. Chaos. That was his, like, he, that's what he did with the Joker. Jared Leto's a, Leto's a motherfucking, like, Scarface talking like, uh, here, the, here's what I thought of him. Like, he, I kept thinking of that scene in The Mask where he's like, hey, see? Where he's doing the gangster thing. That is, he's that, but it mixed with Insane Clown Posse. And it's terrible. It is a terrible version. I hope to God, and Ben Affleck has the sense for his Batman movie, if the Joker's in it, that yes, this is Jason Todd, and this is Jason Todd who went crazy and became his own version of the Joker, Mm -hmm. and then Willem Dafoe comes out as the fucking Joker and kills him again with a crowbar in the first 10 minutes of the film, saying, Uh, you're a terrible imitation, Jason. I should have killed you hotter the first time. Something like that, because first of all, there's like you see this imagine this joker going up against the murderous batman we've seen in batman versus superman not gonna work not gonna work it's like it's it's bad but enough rambling about that uh i have a surprise i got jared leto here on the phone okay you fucking (laughs) pretentious mother (laughs) yeah you can say all you want you got an oscar blah 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 you're rich i'm i'm just doing a podcast for free and whatever i don't care i'm happy with my life but all these stories you're telling for your image are fucking make me gag Message sent. Boop. Yep. Oh, wait, I got a reply from Jared Little. See that on oh, TMZ it's a used later. condom. <laughs> Whatever, Little. But anyway, bad choice for the joke. Like, uh, enough about that. We're talking more about that than we talked about Buckaroo Banzai. But also saw Star Trek Beyond as well, because it's been a couple weeks since we recorded. Yep. Uh, yep, they did it. They put too much Fast and Furious in my Star Trek. Didn't care for that one either. Uh, it ju- was. They used the ship to jump buildings and stuff. (laughs) It's got a high rating. Unjustly. I mean, again, that's the Fast and the Furious crowd. Like, if if you're the type of person that looks forward to the next Fast and the Furious movie, you'll probably like this one better than any of the other ones. Uh, Let's see. Females under 18, 8.4, because of, you know, the hot guy aspect, I guess. Yeah. Uh, 7.8 for males under 18. Those are the highest ratios, except females 45 plus. It's funny. The Suicide Squad had the same number, sort of. Because these films, that's why, and that's see, that's why I don't like, like the them. top thousand voters was always the lowest, mm-hmm. which you know is probably good because that means they're probably legitimate that have people. Seen other movies, yeah. But I mean, people are going to see, like Star Trek Beyond is not a bad movie. It's but it's the least best of the new ones. Mm-hmm. And Idris Elba, you know, everything's set up. Idris Elba as the villain, and you know, I love him to death as an actor. But it's it's just like this was this one was like a an episode of the TV show. Mm-hmm. That just, you know, this should have been a TV show episode, not a full movie. I will have to praise it, though. The one thing they did that was really awesome, and I guess this credit to Simon Pegg for writing it or co-writing it, but uh, they did a really good job of all the crew having something to do instead of it being Kirk and Spock dynamic, like pretty much every other Star Trek movie's always, usually. Uh, going back to the 2009 reboot or whatever, and then Into Darkness, and even the Shatner and Nimoy ones always kind of boil down to their relationship. Sort of what The Next Generation ended up doing, too, with Data and... Picard, you know, they were always like the central characters. This one does a good job of everybody has like their moment to shine. But same, like Fast and the Furious quality stuff happen, which right. is just stupid. It's, is it, there's uh, too much comedy. It's not funny. Like what's funny yeah. isn't like, I mean, there's some silly stuff, but it's just, again. People yelling at each other for no reason, but in a comedic way. Trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like you know, that. I mean, all the, the, the cast is still, the cast is still great. It's just the plot and like what happens on screen is just ludic- like ludicrous. There happens to be this motorcycle that Kirk rides, and it's like, oh, let's do this motorcycle stunt scene, and it's just. Oh. 
And uh, honestly, I'm watching we're in a it. movie about space, and you were showing a motorcycle. Yeah, it just happens to be a motorcycle on this planet. Which he, you know, in the first Star Trek 2009, he rode a motorcycle. So, yeah. I mean, you know, but it's it just how convenient that this mm. happens for this plot. Like, it's just, it just wasn't, you know, when, to me, I love the reboot and Into Darkness. Into Darkness was phenomenal. I thought it was amazing. A lot of people are divided on that one. This one is just like, eh, not bad, not great. Didn't love it, didn't hate it. Uh, but you know, if you if you like the Fast and the Furious movies, you're gonna like this. But the same sort of similar with Suicide Squad. This movie is more geared to that younger audience that that go to see PG 13s. Uh, you know, whereas like Star Trek Into Darkness, the Abrams Star Treks were done for fans of Star Trek. If you love Star Trek, this is for you. We're gonna tell a good science fiction story. Same thing what Abrams did with Force Awakens. He didn't you know do what Lucas did and made it more kiddie for like to bring younger audiences in because the younger kids are going to like it. I want to make them feel like they're watching Star Wars for the first time. Bullshit. You make it for, you know, the people who are going to respect it. And that's what Abrams did, I think, with the first ones, uh, first couple Star Treks and then Star Wars, obviously. Uh, You know, so anyway, Mm. if you have a choice, I'd recommend Star Trek Beyond over Suicide Squad. Uh, Just wait for Suicide Squad on, you know, digital to rent. Rent it. You're not going to want to own it. It's not good. Of course, I know a lot of people are going to be disagreeing with me. That's fine. I mean, I understand why you like it, but think of, like, look at it in a critical way, and, like, it's just, it's a mess. It's a mess of a film. Ugh, there's, there's, there's too many bad things, you know, going, working against it. It's not even bad, it's good. You know, this comes from somebody who loves Street Fighter, the movie with Van Damme, and tons of other bad movies. So, you know, but uh, rounding it out, No Man's Sky came out this week. I've been playing that on PlayStation 4. Uh, Jesse, I know I talked you off about it when I first got here, but you know if you haven't played it, uh, it's basically a survival exploration game. Uh, if you like farming in space, and uh, you know a lot of repeat stuff, it's that's the kind of game it is. That's not a bad thing uh, for me. It's very relaxing to play, uh, and everybody's experience is going to be different with it. So uh, you know nothing really big comes out except uh, Deus Ex. The new one comes out in a couple weeks. Uh, but the November is really the big month for releases with uh, like Battlefield, Titanfall 2, some other stuff. So it's a good game to, uh, you know, good relaxing game and a different game. It's very different. So I'll recommend picking that up if you have PlayStation want something a little different to play. Like I said, it's relaxing. A lot of fun. Uh, fantastic soundtrack. If you like like me, like, you know, a lot, a lot of John Carpenter's uh, works and, you know, uh, Explosions in the Sky or other like atmospheric type music. Uh Definitely get the soundtrack for it. It's phenomenal. And then also, we love Stranger Things on this podcast. The soundtrack for Stranger Things, the actual, you know, soundtrack, not the licensed music soundtrack, comes out as of this recording tomorrow, uh, August the 12th, I believe. So uh, some other good, solid soundtrack there coming out soon as well. So that does it for this week. Uh, oh, actually, no, sorry. Got some emails. Mm. Can't forget those. Yeah. Uh, Email so. at uh, 80srevisit at gmail.com. Exactly. Thank you, Jesse, for remembering to say that because I always forget. Uh, but our good friend, Ben, the Tasmanian Devil Wyatt from Tasmania, who, uh, speaking of which, we and Jesse recently did a few episodes to help Ben out. Uh, he's, he was, uh, for the month of August, he's doing an episode a day. The man is a Crazy. fucking machine when it comes to putting out podcasts. We might uh, do three. <laughs> I believe it is three. No, uh, I mean, we might do three oh. 80s revisited in the month of August. Yeah, just to, you know, how our schedules work. And We're off to a else. bad start already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so we're uh, we'll be guesting on that. Uh, and Ben has also taken up to be our Twitter spokesperson. <laughs> he, since we don't get on Twitter often, he I'm trying to increase that a little bit. Yeah, me me as well. But I haven't done anything because I keep forgetting. I'm like, oh, I should do something on Twitter, and then I don't because mm. 
I just don't. But anyway, he says, hello, gents. Uh, he just wa- uh, I just watched Buckaroo Bonsai for the first time, and I can't say many positive things about it, apart from seeing <laughs> a young Mike from Baking Bad and the Subway Ghost guy from yeah, the film Ghost. Yeah, that's true. Bad. The music and obviously the Asian elements I like. Agree with you 100%, my friend. Uh, plenty of podcasts I listen to. Uh, I listen to have talked about this film, so maybe I have my expectations set too high, which is probably the reason I didn't like Big Trouble in Little China. I really need to revisit that quote uh, and see if I like it more now. I hope you will, Ben. It's a great film. I can't say good enough good things about Big Trouble in Little China. Mm. But uh, yeah, definitely, you know, uh, Buckaroo Banzai is one of those. I definitely see your point there to where, like, a lot of people, oh, you haven't seen it? You gotta see it. It's one of our, our, we have a friend named Caveman whose favorite movie in the world is Brazil, but, like, if you haven't seen it, he immediately overinflates how good it is. Like, I think Brazil is a great film, but it's nowhere near the greatest of all time. Me, personally, but he loves it to death and passionate well, about it. haven't we done it on the podcast? Because I don't like it enough to sit through it again. <laughs> I know. I know, but there's also like eight different versions of it. Mm. So it's like, and I, don't, I actually, whenever we do cover it, I'll get with Caveman and say, Caveman, what's the definitive version of Brazil? What version? And that's the one we'll do right. eventually. Uh, and I'll spare him asking him to guest host to spare our listeners' eardrums because... He's yeah. he's a character. I mean that in the best way possible. He ruined our audio quality on the Star Wars one ages ago. Uh, but we yeah, also had less ago. good mics. But yeah. uh, smaller room. Uh, running out Ben's email. Uh, you also suggested I watch Deadly Prey. And my word, it's a lot of fun to watch, especially the hiding in a tree bit. Agree, hundred and ten percent. I'm still. I need one more recommendation uh, for uh, user recommendation for a review to uh, do a review month. I got three in the can. Need one more. So if you have a movie request for us to cover, AsiaVisit at gmail.com so I can finally watch Hard Ticket to Hawaii, Ben. Looking forward to it. Hopefully I'm not overinflating that movie, but based on the clip we watched last week, I don't think I am. So, mm. uh, But also he says, uh, I recently watched The Fly 2 for the first time. Is there a reason you guys haven't revisited it? I find the last 30 minutes or so very satisfying and makes it for the slow start of the film. Uh, that's one, you know, I'm saving for like to fit it in like in a Halloween horror conglomeration type thing or something. I've personally, like The Fly 2... The scene with the dog, which we'll talk about whenever we review it, that scene fucked me up as a kid. Mm. Uh, then, in fact, uh, I think I blocked that out of my memory. So when I rewatched it, actually not too long ago, because it was on Netflix for a while, I'm not sure if it still is. I was like, "Holy shit, this is the movie with the dog." Oh fuck! <laughs> and it brought back a lot of bad memories. But yeah, I, I Fly Two is phenomenal. It's a great sequel. But we'll talk about that on the podcast eventually, definitely. And the last thing I want to say is thanks again for joining me on Asia Mania. It was a blast recording with you guys, and I laughed the whole way through while editing, too. Our three episodes will be online August 17th, 18th, and 19th. So, Ooh, yeah, shortly after this airs, in you'll be able to check them out on there. Uh, we had a blast, too, uh, Ben. It was uh, a lot of fun. That was first time I've guested on a non-awesome podcast network uh, podcast, and me and Jesse both, well, I can't speak for Jesse, because I'll never do that, because Jesse's his own free-thinking person, despite the horrible things he said about you after we got off the air. Just oh, kidding. yeah, yeah. It was uh, a lot of that. <laughs> But no, we had a lot of fun. It was great. Anytime you need us, like I said, flash the 80 signal uh, at an appropriate time for our time zone, and we'll be there. So always a pleasure. And uh, check out Ben on the Asia Mania podcast. It's a lot of fun over there. Uh, He has a ton of episodes as well, uh, especially him doing 30 in just this month. I think he's going to pass us up. So congratulations, Mm. yeah, wanka. That's what happens when you one a day. Yep. (laughs) Well, I'll do one a day for two months just because Ben did that. No way. I'm not that much of a machine like Ben is. <laughs> yeah. uh, and another, we got a, a nice email, too, from our good friend John Martinez uh, over in uh, Riverside, California. Mm-hmm. Dear Trey and Jesse, or is it Jesse and Trey? Doesn't matter. I'll take top billing, but it doesn't matter. It's all Jesse <laughs> stuff, care. so yeah. We don't <laughs> Either care. One. Either way. Uh, you can just say to Tressy or Tressy. to Jesse with E-Y Jesse. at the end. Jesse. Uh, I know I commented on your post on Facebook, but I thought I'd send you another email. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Uh, 
Okay, real quick. The anniversary of my best friend Day's passing was yesterday, July yeah, 25th. I saw the post. Uh, I always think about... Uh, about how the main character in Dexter was able to talk to his dead friend and wish that were possible in real life. Me too, my friend. There would be so many friends and family I'd love to have some conversations with. You just have to be as crazy as Dexter. <laughs> and you can make it work. Yeah, there you go. You know, try a Ouija board maybe if you're into that. I mean, uh, yeah, he's... Who knows? But uh, anyway, the truck... Uh, you mentioned the truck that had the gun on the back on, during the Tango and Cash episode. And it made me think of the truck from Mask. That's the vehicle I was thinking of uh, when we were talking about it. Those were awesome toys. I never had that truck, but a friend of mine did, and it was awesome. I agree. I remember Mask was great uh, 80s cartoon. Often forgot now. Nobody, people, not people remember it. You know, it was sort of like half Transformers, half G. It was a good amalgamation of G.I. Joe and Transformers in a sense. I'll pop on my mask and my motorcycle will change it to a helicopter. Mm. But I'm still like a G.I. Joe sized figure. So I have like a transforming vehicle and a human. So great toy line, great cartoon from what I remember. Uh, haven't seen, you know, obviously I'd love to see somebody redo that, you know, on Netflix or whatever, but mm. eh, doubt it. Excuse me. As for your view on the Ghostbusters remake, I don't like Melissa McCarthy at all either. She's on my list of comedic actors I dislike very much, which also includes Ben Stiller. I personally like Ben Stiller uh, for the most part. Uh, <laughs> I thought you Tropic said female act. We well, did talk about Melissa McCarthy. I know, but I also don't like Ben Stiller. Oh, I think there was an Oxford comma in there. I'll skip past. My worst female actors: Melissa McCarthy and Ben Stiller. <laughs> That's what I'm Has saying. he ever done that? Has he ever done like a drag role? I don't uh, think so. Uh, not really. So yeah. Anyway, but uh, I mean, I, close in that uh, Magnum movie. What is oh, it Zoolander. Yeah. Which uh, I love those. Like those movies are stupid. Yeah. But I, I love them to death. I watched the second one too. Yeah. Did you like it? It was entertaining enough. I mean, I was la- it was enough <laughs> to enjoy. I enjoyed it enough to watch. You know, like I enjoyed right. the time watching it. One watch. Yeah. But uh, I mean, Tropic Thunder is still epic. To oh, me. absolutely. Uh, he does do some sinkers, though. Uh, don't get me wrong, John. Yeah. Uh, Tower Tropic Heist. Thunder was and, not one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, that was his opus. Yeah. Somebody left the fridge open. Uh, <laughs> I, was also, I was also totally attracted to Kate McKinnon's character. I agree. Her look and personality was awesome. And I'm not attracted to blondes all that much. Same here, except you know, Margot Robbie, number one right now. Well, she's not attracted to any men. Any men so. either, anyway. So, yeah, we're out of luck on that one. But she was, like, she was my favorite character in it as well. Yeah. That's how much I liked her. Uh, the movie could have been better, like you said, but it wasn't horrible. I agree. Uh, but like we talked about earlier, uh, the news out this week, it's 70 million shy of breaking even, so we're not going to see a sequel, most mm. likely. Uh, not a bad thing. Back to the drawing board, maybe do some rearranging, and maybe we can get a good sequel down the road. Or, let me rephrase that, a great sequel down the road. Uh, also, so Star Trek Beyond last week, I grew up hating all the other Star Trek movies and surprised myself by really enjoying the three new ones. I agree. Of course, just didn't like this one as much. Uh, well, the budget says 144, and it's made like 133. Now, does it look like a movie that costs that much? From I mean, the, the trailer, effect, I mean, it's effects heavy. You know, and the effects honestly aren't bad, but I think Do effects uh, really cost that much, though. I mean, I don't know. Now, see, I wonder if the budget also takes into consider this budget estimated takes into consideration like worldwide advertising and yeah. It, I mean, yeah. I, I would assume it should, but I mean, that film was heavily promoted. Like every they like, should same thing separate with Suicide these Squad. numbers. Like they should separate. Um, you know, production budget and entertainment or advertising budget. Yeah, because I think that's you know the studio is going to push that more than like the actual producers of the film. Right. So I think yeah, this that movie I think could have cost twenty million to make, and they just spent one hundred and twenty on yeah. advertising. Exactly. Uh, but John also says, uh, "Sad to hear about the death. Of, hear about the death of Anton Yelchin. He seemed like a good up and coming actor. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Let me ask you something. What do you think of the new alien girl with those marks on her face? She kind of reminded me of a female Darth Maul with, with a white face. I agree." Anyway, I thought she was cute. Is that weird? Nope. Nope. Yeah, don't <laughs> judge me. Ha ha ha. 
Not weird at all, my friend. Not weird at all. But uh, she's actually the same. Uh, I had to look her up because like this girl looks familiar. But she's the uh, girl from uh, Kingsman, Gazelle, with the uh, bouncy razor prosth- uh, prosthetic legs. Uh, oh. I liked her. What's her name? Uh, I don't know her real name. It's like uh, no in here. Oh, Sophia. Is it Sophia? Oh. Sophia Budella? I didn't get, uh, what is it? Sophia Budella. Yeah, Jessie Jayla. That's her. Okay. Yeah, she was. You know, I liked her character in this. I imagine. I honestly believe that in the next Star Trek movie, since they're not recasting Anton Yelchin's role, that they might put her in that role, like in as Chekhov being a pilot. Like mm-hmm. they might evolve her since she's already there. They might just throw her in there to basically take his place, and since they're basically writing him out, which is a good thing I think to do for the character. Oh, also it should be mentioning in Star Trek Beyond, this film was made. This was the first Star Trek made after Leonard Nimoy died, so it's really heavy on him. Like, as a tribute, like, they really pay homage to that character since that character existed in that universe, too. But then, of course, Anton passes away in a freak fucking accident. Yeah. So then, like, they, you know, they didn't do anything different in the film structure for him, but they added in the credits. But the film itself was, like, reverent to Nimoy. Mm. So, which was a good plot point for the film. Unfortunate, you know, that, yeah, he's actually dead. But anyway, uh, yeah, Alien Chicks, hey, if they're hot, 100%, my friend. Still love, uh, what's her name? From Mass Effect. Still had a crush on her. Uh, <laughs> Blue Chick. I don't forgot her name. It's been so long because I'm Didn't still, play it, so. still waiting on that you know, PS4 remaster of the Mass Effect trilogy by day one purchase if they redid it because I would love to play him again. I might try it then. It's best RPG like ever. Uh, so I have two movie Except requests. For that fucking car. <laughs> hey, that's not even the first one. They, well, that's what stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> that thing you go up fucking mountains. It was like a horse in Skyrim. You just keep going. It you just go felt straight so out. out of place. It was. It was. And that's what stopped me from playing it. Uh, but John has, says, I have two movie requests. How about Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer? They both star John Cusack and were directed by the same director. Oh, here's two more. How about the Transformers and G.I. Joe animated movies? I hope that'll you choose your next, yep, your next few podcasts. Thanks for the entertainment. John Martinez from Riverside, California. P.S. After listening to your Obama podcast, I went straight to iTunes and bought the soundtrack. I remember listening to that album all the time when I was younger, like you did, Trey. Great minds think alike, my friend. But uh, yeah, for the request, uh, I definitely want to do One Crazy Summer because I loved that one as a kid. Uh, especially the Godzilla scene is so awesome in that film. Uh, but And you're in luck because uh, strangely enough, as uh, fate would have it, uh, we'll be doing Transformers not next week but the week after. Uh, and I would do plan to do G.I. Joe down the road as well. Uh, but Transformers ties it partially into what we're doing next week, so it was kind of a natural fit for that. So your wish is granted. I love uh, to- Better Off Dead. It's a, a good one too. Movie. It is. It's one of his better ones from that <laughs> decade. But I part like. Have you seen One Crazy Summer? I don't think I have. It's great. It's got Bobcat Goldwaite in it. It's uh. It's got that bit of ludicrousness that I like. Uh, hmm. Really good. Really, like uh, and also like just wacky stuff. Like one of the things in it, we'll talk about more when we actually do it. But like I always remember there's a Godzilla scene, but there's another one where like if you're making a face and somebody slaps your back, your face is going to stick like that. Well, somebody actually slaps somebody's back, and for the rest of the film, this, these kids' faces are stuck like that. <laughs> so it's, it's really funny. But yeah, uh, so don't forget, check us out. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. We don't ever do Patreon or ask for anything except, you know, friendly emails or even unfriendly emails because, hey, we're not perfect. We know some people hate us just like some people love and some people hate Suicide Squad. So, uh, but we're better than that, as in Suicide Squad. So, uh, you know, drop us a line, AsiaVisit at gmail.com, at Awesome Pods on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, which we'll try to get back or do something on the, more on Twitter. I've it's been just, trying to do one post today, and you have the info for that? Not for Twitter. Oh, I can give you like, that. Maybe on, we can all do one post today. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> It'll seem like a little can, more. Okay, on Facebook, like if I 
Well, I'll, t- I'll, I'll yeah, ask yeah. you this technical question off the podcast. We'll, we'll have our meeting off <laughs> yeah, the podcast. off air. But uh, anyway, uh, don't forget our good friends in Lafayette, John and James with Now Versus Nostalgia, and our friend we mentioned before with the Asia Mania podcast, Ben Wyatt, the podcast machine, does a ton of podcasts and some very entertaining ones, and also, like we mentioned before, a great pleasure to talk to, and hopefully we'll do more stuff with him down the road. So until next time, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Buckaroos. On Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods. Pods.